welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... On today's show, are we going to have fun? We're going to educate you at the same time about a subject matter that goes back 250 million years or so. And, uh, but first I got to talk to Eric. How are you, Eric? Hey, I'm doing great. And Kevin, you know, when you told me about today's show topic, I thought you were just talking about us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. We're old guys. I was going to make <laughs> that joke, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I am. The topic is. Yes, indeed. I, I'm almost 250 million years old, but not quite. <laughs> so, um, but how are you, young man? I'm doing great. It's another great day here in the Pacific Northwest. And how are you today? I'm awesome. Now, could you tell our listeners there's something new going on at Positive Talk Radio? Can you tell them what we're doing now? Absolutely. If folks haven't caught the show over the last couple weeks, we're now streaming live video and audio uh, to Facebook, uh, to YouTube. And let's see. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> uh, but it's it's uh, Facebook and YouTube, both uh, KKNW's accounts and Positive Talk Radio's accounts. So lots of places to check out the show live. Yeah, and if you want to find out what Eric looks like, you can go there. You don't need to find out what I look like because this is actually a stunt double that I use because <laughs> I'm much prettier than the guy that you're seeing on the screen. Okay. So, <laughs> so in in any event, it's it's great to have you here, Eric. We're gonna we're gonna talk about dinosaurs today. I'm really That's excited awesome. about it. Yeah, and we've got two of the foremost podcast experts on dinosaurs with us today. Before uh, so you bring we, them on, let me ask you what your favorite dinosaur is. Oh, we talked about this uh, prior to the sh to the show, and that is, I used to, I had an affinity for a great big dinosaur, uh, Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus, that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know I learned so much during the course of this show that uh, I th I always thought that the, the brontosaurus and the T Rex would have a a fight to, to a duel to the death. They didn't, weren't even there at the same time. Oh wow! Yeah, plus brontosaurus I believe was a vegetarian, so uh, you know maybe T Rex would have liked to sink his teeth into the, one of those, but yeah. I don't think brontosaurus would have been picking any fights. Well, but if if they had to defend themselves, I don't know how that they would get that done. They now they had the massive tail, so they yeah. may have been able to to uh, swat to swat the tail around. But we're going to ask them about that because yeah, this uh, is all great questions for our guests. It, absolutely. So, I without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, Sabrina and Garrett onto the show. They are uh, dinosaur experts. They've also been. Well, I, I, maybe that's a little strong, but they, they know more about dinosaurs than virtually anybody else that I know. And uh, they've got a podcast that has been going on. They're kind of my heroes, Eric. They've been doing a podcast since 2015. And the podcast is called IKnowDino.com. And uh, they came up with that name. It's a it's a great name for it, and they've been doing it for for well, what is that now? That's you just they're just celebrating their eighth year anniversary. Yes, and they also had done something that I didn't know that you could do. They had 
a um, their wedding was a dinosaur-themed wedding at a zoo. <laughs> I love it. Can you? <laughs> and I did. I did have to ask them. What did your grandparents think about that as they were being led into the zoo area? It's, it's, it's like it's like I don't know what's gotten into them. What's I don't know what's going on with them. But they, you know that's what they do. So, but Sabrina and Garrett, thank you for being here. How are you guys? Thanks for having us. Yeah, too. we're great. Thanks for having us. Um, we enjoyed that conversation about brontosaurus fighting T Rex and yes. how it would or would not have worked. <laughs> no, okay. the, go ahead. To answer your question on the on the wedding, um, actually, gr our grandparents didn't say anything, but my mom said, "Oh, you haven't had a dinosaur uh, party since you were six, But then she eventually <laughs> came around. So, <laughs> uh, well, now your now your grandparents didn't say anything to you. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but you know, it's it's really cool. So, have they ever done? Uh, you know, we'll get into all of this, but I have to ask you, since it came up at the top of the show, have they ever done a computer simulation to see who would have been the dominant between a T-Rex and a Brontosaurus, how that fight would have come out? Oh, man. Yeah, like you said, the they didn't live together, so there wouldn't be any, like, scientific simulations on it, but there are these games where you can put, like, different, an like, any animals together and have them battle out. And sometimes people put like 10,000 chickens. Against a T-Rex. I forget yeah. which game that was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't 10,000 chickens? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Might have won. Probably. I, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot of chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and they are a herding animal too. I, I used to sell chickens. So they, they, um, they, of course, they were dead at the time that I sold them, but they, they, they are a herding animal as well. Now, were which dinosaurs, or were there very many that were actually herding animals that that went around in a pack, or were they more solitary? Yeah, we think some of them were pretty herding y so we found some uh they call them bone beds <laughs> of uh what are they like ceratopsians things like triceratops where there's a bunch of them together mm -hmm. and there's nesting grounds of certain di dinosaurs so i think seems... there's mostly been herbivorous dinosaurs at this point mm. but there are also some herbivorous dinosaurs like my favorite ankylosaurus that's the one that looks like a tank in um land before time i think it was rooter was oh, an ankylosaurus yeah, Spike kind of looks like an ankylosaurus, but I think he was supposed to be a stegosaur. Spike was a stegosaur. They're close relatives. Um, but those we only really ever find on their own. So those ones may have been solitary. It's interesting that that they would be because they well, right now there are um species on the planet that like whales as an example, that go around the world because they have a specific mating area that they that they do was that common in the dinosaur era as well yeah we found a few places that we think are like that there's some places in south america that we think is where the sauropods the long neck dinosaurs probably came back to year after year because mm -hmm. we find these nests that are basically on top of each other fossilized you know layer after layer so we think that was happening there's a famous spot in montana too called egg mountain yep. which is the same sort of thing it's for a with the myasaura and that means the good mother lizard that's a big duck bill dinosaur mm -hmm. there's a place in montana called egg mountain yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's so much about this country i just don't know <laughs> 
but I will, I'm willing to bet that if you were to take a, a uh, microphone through downtown Seattle and say, can you tell me where Egg Mountain is? Most people would not be able to tell you. No, they would <laughs> oh, not. Oh, you never know. If you went, <laughs> what, what's the museum out there? Is it the Burke Museum in Seattle? Yes. If you went by the Burke Museum, they, they could tell you. <laughs> they <got some> dinosaurs. <laughs> Well, very cool. Because, because by the way, and the reason that you guys know this is because you've been doing a podcast about dinosaurs. It is called I Know Dino dot com. I love the I love the name that uh, uh, Garrett came up with many, many, many years ago. And the uh, the um, the domain was available and all of that. So it kind of all came together. What, what decided you guys, I know that you grew up with dinosaurs and land before time, which by the way, uh, Eric and I were, you know, like old when land before time came out <laughs> and, and I, I was so impressed with Jurassic park. And when, when that came out and that came out in 93, uh, it was an amazing presentation of what dinosaurs were at the, at the time and stuff. It's just, a, it was just remarkable, but how did you guys fall in love with dinosaurs and then fall in love with each other at the same time? That That's serendipity. <laughs> it really is. Well, yeah, we loved dinosaurs as kids. So land before time. And then later on Jurassic park. And we sort of fell out of it a little bit, maybe during the teenage years. But then after we had met and we were living on the East coast near the American museum of natural history in New York, that's where we kind of rediscovered our love of dinosaurs. So we rediscovered it together, mm -hmm. which helped. <laughs> yeah. We kept wanting to go. It would be a weekend, you know, and be like, where should we go? And it's like, oh, we should, we haven't been to the American Museum of Natural History. We should go there. Or anytime then, someone visited us. Yeah. Like, where should we take them? How about the American Museum of Natural History? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep wanting to go back to this museum with all these dinosaurs? <laughs> Now I can tell you there's a whole bunch of places in Seattle that if I if somebody were to come here I would want to take them there. The uh, museum would not be on that list. But so <laughs> it's amazing. It <laughs> I know. I I I'm sad to say I don't know that I've ever been to that museum. But they've got uh, a T-Rex. They recently got a big T-Rex skull there. So it's worth checking out. How big is a T-Rex skull? Uh the skull itself is probably about four feet long, I would say. And big. and what kind of a bite radius would that have? Oh man! So that I think the teeth. Oh, I've got a, I got a visual aid. Somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I why I'm, I'm glad we're doing video. We've got yeah. a video aid. Oh, there's the real one. Here, you can. Okay, well, one. we'll start with the the toy visual aid, but that. <laughs> I mean, this one's just really cool. Somebody 3D printed this for us. <laughs> oh. I got this other one. That's more okay. more T Rex scully. So it looks, yeah, the teeth are about half the length of the, the skull here. Um, so yeah, the I guess you bite for about two feet, but it's also very broad. Most dinosaurs had a pretty narrow head, but this one had a, a really wide bite. So I always think of it kind of like a dog gnawing on a bone and they can sort of like get it on either side. And yeah, but except the T-Rex wouldn't have to gnaw because it could just bite straight through it with well, one chomp. There's evidence of... Uh bones in the coprolites right mm -hmm. in the fossilized feces and so we know it could yeah it, it was a bone crusher yep it would chew up bone and just swallow it big chunks of bone whole and actually it sort of chewed it in its gut because it had this thing they call it a gastric meal it would swallow stones and the stomach could 
crush it like a garbage disposal kind of or something and break down the bones into little pieces so it could digest them. Gee, I want that job. Finding <laughs> finding dinosaur poop. <laughs> <laughs> There's a paleontologist named Karen Chin who that's that's her. She's thing. an expert, yeah. She's the dinosaur poop. It's amazing person. what you can learn from fossilized poop. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in today's world, they're finding out that there there's a whole bunch of things that are now in the ocean that used to be inside of us that is now got you know and and stuff like that. So there's all all kinds of that. But I just can't imagine uh, putting that on your business card. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. They've even discovered new species in poop. Oh yeah, in fossilized poop because like insects. If you think of like a dung beetle or something, they'll burrow in, and then if it fossilizes, it's like the perfect little chamber to fossilize it and preserve it, keep all its little parts together because it's in that that one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got to ask you. I didn't ask you this last hour, but it just dawned on me because you're talking about bugs and poop and, <laughs> and, and stuff. The premise of Jurassic Park Park is that they found. Um, mosquitoes and that were whole that still had blood in them from when they would uh attach themselves to a dinosaur and take the blood and then they went into it was some sort of sap or something mm -hmm. that they that they is that even possible or is that just hollywood it so maybe sort of <laughs> maybe to an extent there's this place in uh myanmar where they find amber from the Cretaceous this is about 99 million years ago. So it's a very specific time period of dinosaurs because they weren't all around at the same time. But they find lots of insects in there. And they've even found some pieces of dinosaur in there. They found like a little bit of like a bird wing and a little bit of a tail and things like that in this amber. So you can find really, really well-preserved stuff in amber. But unfortunately... Um, DNA is really fragile, chemically speaking, so it doesn't tend to last all that long. I think the oldest DNA we have that has any real information in it is maybe like a couple hundred thousand to a million years old, and you got to go back 66 million to get to dinosaurs. So at this point, we haven't really found any blood that would give you any useful information for cloning a dinosaur. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but where we're at now, we're nowhere near being able to do that. Well, and for those who are not really familiar with the history of dinosaur or how long they've been around, tell us how long were dinosaurs here? Yeah, so they evolved about 240 to 250 million years ago, and then they lasted all the way up until 66 million years ago. Unless you count birds, in which case, they're still here. Yeah, till today. <laughs> um, and they, the really interesting thing is that most species only live for about 2 million years, dinosaurs or otherwise. So that means you've got, you know, a hundred different groups of dinosaurs that never saw each other. So T-Rex never saw Stegosaurus, Stegosaurus never saw Dilophosaurus. Most of those sauropods were never near any sort of raptors. It's, they're all different places around the world in different groups. That's, yeah. Now we imagine dinosaurs as having a reptilian skin kind of thing and to have that look to them. But I'm hearing new science that is coming out saying that some of them may have had feathers. Is that yeah. true? Oh yeah. There's some that are preserved with fossilized feathers, especially in China. A lot of that's coming out. Yeah. When Jurassic Park came out, we hadn't found any feathered dinosaurs preserved other than Archaeopteryx, I guess it was found. But if you're talking about things, you know, like the big scaly, monstery non-avian dinosaurs mm. those ones the first one we found i think 
was Sinosauropteryx or maybe Microraptor. There were a few of them found in the 90s. Yeah. And then we found a really big one called... Eutyrannus. Oh, well, there's... Yeah, Eutyrannus. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Which is like a Tyrannosaur, but it had feathers on it. So it was a big old dinosaur. A little dinosaur with feathers. Yeah, it wasn't just like a little bird thing. Like Velociraptor was kind of a little bird, like turkey-sized animal. But this was a, a big a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> but even though they had feathers, they couldn't fly. Those ones couldn't. There were some that could glide. Yeah, Microraptor might have been able to glide. It actually had feathers on its legs, too. So it might have been like this four-winged, maybe like parachute flying squirrel sort of strategy. Oh, that would be scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that one was smaller. It was, but even then, like a bird with teeth that's like oh, gliding yeah. down is not cool. <laughs> well, it's cool, but just not if it's coming towards you. Yeah. <laughs> not if you happen to be in the way. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and, and I, I am just amazed at the amount of knowledge that you just to know the names of the different things. But if you go to your, your website, which is, by the way, I know dino.com, and you look at their, uh, their episode page, you talk in depth about each during each episode, which is over 400 strong now, right? Yeah. You talk about each dinosaur type and you also play games with uh, dinosaurs and, and the, um, and the, and the different things. Tell us about dinosaurs and the Titanic. How did those two end up in one episode? It's part of our new segment, the dinosaur connection challenge, which we came up with after we had realized that a lot of our conversations, no matter what they started out to be about, ended up back to dinosaurs. So we thought, okay, let's see, let's challenge ourselves. And so our people who are on our Patreon can give us uh, any topic and we will find a way to link it back to dinosaurs. So the latest one was Garrett uh, looked into the Titanic. Yeah. And I love Titanic and the, the whole story of it and the series of failures has always fascinated me as a kid too so yeah i ended up the main connection i found was the ss mount temple which is a boat that responded to the titanic distress call and then later on when it was scuttled had dinosaur bones in it which means in the north atlantic actually pretty far i was going to say not far but it is actually very far from titanic the on the same big. ocean floor <laughs> yeah <laughs> there are dinosaur bones in crates you know, in the same, I guess, general vicinity, the same ocean, at least. But so I, I'm assuming that you have watched the movie Titanic. Yes, so many. I times. think I at one point I watched it like 70 times. I was wearing out the VHS tape. <laughs> I watched it so many times. So, <laughs> I got, there are two things I got to ask you about. First of all, is there's a current controversy going about as to whether or not Jack could have fit on the the uh on the the deck or on the on the door or whatever it was that she was on uh what's your opinion on this important matter of state sir hasn't that been going since the movie came out yeah i I have just ran into it now is that they were it was it's online now and it's like no he couldn't have and yes he could and and i think it was uh cameron said no no it was important that he die yeah (laughs) That was part of the story. Yeah, I remember. So there's a, a Mythbusters where they did it. And basically what they found was in the normal, in the way they did it in the movie, they probably couldn't have both survived on it because they were keeping the, the, the board too waterlogged. So they would have both gotten hypothermia. But what they came up with on the show is they could have tied the, 
life jacket because Rose had a life jacket. Jack didn't um, under the bottom. <laughs> and that would have given enough buoyancy that they would have been enough out of the water. They could have survived. Yeah. But then James Cameron was like, well, the point of the story was he was supposed to die. So really, if anything, we just made the board too big. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, I, I love people who come up with all these things. Now, to keep in mind that they had just the, the thing had just sank under from underneath them. And so they were suddenly in the water and the water is like, what, 38, 42 degrees right around in there. And it's very cold. You won't last more than five or 10 minutes before hyperthermia sets in and, and you'll die. And yet they're supposed to have the presence of mind to take off the the life vest and to tie it secure it underneath the thing so that it will float higher so that they can both get on that's that seems like a even more far-fetched yeah there's Cameron that, mentioned that and I, I agree with him like that's not no one's gonna think of that isn't there a story of one guy who uh he drank so much so yeah. he was just really drunk and just swam for a couple hours and that kept him alive he did yes <laughs> yeah one of the like i think there were just under 10 people that got pulled out of the water alive and most of them died. One of the guys who survived was, yeah, that guy who just swam the whole time. <laughs> and hence the reason why alcohol in some cases can be beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you happen to end up being in the water, have a bunch of drinks so that you or your blood alcohol level is like 45%, 50 will kill you, but it's like 45%. And the, the cold water will keep you awake but the the blood alcohol level will keep you alive. <laughs> you not feeling the pain enough to keep swimming or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> that's that, that, that's amazing. So, but so there are um, dinosaur bones that are sitting in the bottom of the ocean, waiting for us to go get them. Exactly. Yeah. Someone needs to do it. <laughs> I think it would be the coolest story. It would. I. I mean, the documentary would instantly sell the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I know. What, what we could do there could be a, a nuclear sub goes by, and and it 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 uh, has a nuclear f uh, breakdown, and so the um 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 radiation gets into the water, and then it goes into these crates, and it rejuvenates the dinosaurs, and they become Godzilla. <laughs> That was a different connection we had between Titanic that one of our listeners suggested was Godzilla versus Titanic, which is a thing <laughs> which has been drawn and sculpted many times, it mm -hmm. turns out. Are you kidding me? There's a thing about yeah. Godzilla and Titanic? Yeah. Sometimes it's like Godzilla's back spikes are actually the iceberg and he like swam into the Titanic. That's one of the versions of it. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I tell you, you guys must be a great deal of fun at a dinner party. <laughs> Only if you want to talk about dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like it's like what is it? The Kevin, you said it earlier. Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of uh, separation or something. Oh mm -hmm. yes. Yep. That's that kind of connection challenges. <laughs> now, however, it goes, it always gets back to the dinosaurs and mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But the, the, I mean. When you think about it, in Earth's history, they were were they around longer than any other species group that we're aware of? They, I mean, they basically dominated the land more than any other species by far. But I guess if you're talking about like in general, sharks are probably longer lasting in terms of dominance in the water. Crocodiles. Yeah. Oh yeah, crocodilians. Yep. 
So there are a couple other contenders, but only if you talk about land, it's like you had the the first vertebrates were only 300 million years ago about, and dinosaurs took over 60 million years after that. So it didn't take long for them to take over geologically speaking. And then it was mammals for the last 66. And that's it. There's not any, everything else has been sort of sub <laughs> underneath either mammals or under dinosaurs in that time well, period. Well, maybe, maybe bacteria. Oh yeah. But they're not. Do we, do, yeah. do we know if, because 300 million years ago is a long time. Is it possible that there was other species on the earth because the earth is uh what four and a half billion years old yeah yeah around there yeah so there could have been um earlier probably invertebrates like big bugs and stuff like that on the oh, land lovely. i hate big bugs yeah oh man there were some huge ones like six foot long super freaky really big giant centipede looking things yeah that were around before the dinosaurs and actually, if you hate bugs, you should love dinosaurs because what we think is the reason there aren't giant flying bugs now is because birds just find them so easy of a meal that they, they have to stay them. small <laughs> to evade birds, basically. <laughs> so how do they know that there was a centipede, a six foot long centipede? Is that what you yeah. just said? Yeah, they oh, found good. a fossil of it. Yeah. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> <laughs> how did they know that's what it was? It's hard it's, to tell. It is hard to tell. It's it, it's amazing because because you know you, you you talk about the dinosaurs and and the people that we haven't been around. What what have we been around? A hundred thousand years, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess I don't, I don't know as much about human evolution as dinosaurs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can't speak. Well, that's that's going to be the next podcast that you do is <laughs> I know humano. <laughs> there you go. So by the by the way, we're talking with Sabrina and Garrett. They are delightful and they make a, a wonderful podcast that's been around. They're they're like gods to me. They've been around for eight years. And uh um even though I started Positive Talk in way back in in 2003, I had to give it up for a period of time. But they've been continuously doing it for eight years. They just had an anniversary. It's it's great. Go to I know Dina, I know dino.com. And uh, you can find out all you need to know about them. We're going to continue on talking to them because they're just delightful. So it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to talk to them. And by the way, you can go to positivetalkradio.net. This will be part two of the of the conversation we had. We already had part one earlier. And uh, that's, that's where, and there's still, you know, it's really cool is you guys are still here and you're still putting up with me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> No problem. You've I think you've done way more episodes than us, so you, I don't think you have anything to look up to. <laughs> well, but you do you you do a sane version of podcasting. You do one once a week. I, I do like six to six to ten a week, uh, just because I have what's called no life. <laughs> but what do you do? Um, so anyway, we're we're talking with Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino. We need to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about their their mission through life and dinos and all that kind of stuff. And you're listening to Positive Talk Radio right here on KKNW, eleven fifty a.m. Hey there, I'm excited that you're listening right now, and if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, 
is packed with positive information with real people discussing real issues and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340 plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, my friend. I'd really like to thank you for listening to the show today. As you may know, I started Positive Talk Radio way back in 2003. We were one of the first shows on KKNW. For 11 months, I was fortunate to be part of many lives, making a positive difference with great interviews and discussions, creating new thoughts and ideas. Sadly, for financial reasons, I had to terminate the show. Well, it took 18 years, but we're back better than ever. And not only on KKNW Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but also podcasting with several inspiring channels with the same driving passion as the original. Please visit kmmedia.pro for complete information about all of these shows. In addition, if you feel called to keep positive programming on the air, you can join us by sponsoring the show and aligning yourself with our mission, which is nothing short of saving the planet and each other. Again, that's kmmedia.pro. I'll see you there. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and we've got a great pair of guests today. And I did want to mention, however, that if you are a fan of Positive Talk Radio, I really would like you to participate with us because it we we really are about making positive change in the world and and talking to people like this is just one of those fun episodes that we get to play with but uh we do a lot of good work here so i uh, hopefully you'll pay attention and go to positivetalkradio.net and find out all about us and also by the way sabrina and garrett are here they're from i know dino.com i love the name I, that flows see for me that flows right off the tongue and there ain't much that for me flows right off the tongue so <laughs> congratulations you guys do a great job thank you <laughs> and so you've been married for and i we didn't i didn't ask this is it all right for me to ask you how long you've yes. been married yeah, so it's one year more than the podcast. Not even. Oh, yeah, I got a few couple months, months. More. Yeah. <laughs> so eight years also, eight and a half. Eight, yeah, I don't feel like doing the exact math right now. but. <laughs> so, so did you guys sit around to dinner one day and say, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I know, let's do a podcast. It actually was pretty simple like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, do both... Do both of you have a uh, broadcasting background so that you knew all the bells and whistles and how to do it? Or did you have to learn it from the ground up kind of thing? We did a lot of learning on the go. Um, I, I've got a background in publishing and I, I did, I guess I interned at a radio station years and years ago, but that uh, didn't quite prepare me for a weekly podcasting show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but I think in the beginning, your journalism background was the most helpful thing because it, it helped us sort of decide the tone. You know, like we don't talk about politics. We also try to keep things positive on our show. And that was mostly based on Sabrina's background and sort of preferences from a journalistic standpoint. So, yeah, that, I think don't undersell yourself. That was very helpful. <laughs> it, that's one of the reasons why having you on the show is, is re really is a lot of fun because we don't talk about politics here. We don't talk. I mean, we and boy, doggone it, we really could. But we don't <laughs> do that because I don't have any, I don't find any value in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't help us to move the human condition along, or to or to make things better for for all of us. And and but learning from the dinosaurs um, can help us. I think even today, what would you, what lessons would you take from the dinosaurs that could be applied today? Oh yeah, there's there's quite a few interesting lessons with dinosaurs because they survived their own mass extinctions throughout their time period, they eventually got wiped out by a mass extinction. Right. Well, a mass extinction is how they came to dominate. Yeah. It sort of cleared the playing field. They were the ones that were the most well adapted, but you can see throughout their whole journey of 180 million years, there were periods when sea level was much higher because the earth was a lot warmer and that caused problems for a lot of them. There were huge arid areas which wiped out, you know, whole regions on the planet. And so, yeah, I think you could talk about global warming and how trying to avoid that would have been helpful for the dinosaurs and is also helpful for us. And then maybe in a, a less, we we're just talking about avoiding politics, less politically charged one, you've got uh, maybe <laughs> using, there was that cool new science test that NASA did. I think it was called the DART program where they used a rocket ship and then they shot another thing out of the side of it to run into a comet or an asteroid. Oh, yes. Uh, and deflected it. The moon it was orbiting. Yeah. Yeah. So using something like that also, that's a lesson from the dinosaurs. You got to keep an eye out for these things in the sky because <laughs> they can cause big problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just now getting to the point where we are looking at more of the sky, but we still don't monitor the entire sky all the time do we mm -hmm. so it's so it you never know you never know what can happen yep it, it makes it it makes it really difficult but are there any other lessons that you can think of that the well as an example in um and i think this is really a lesson for us and that is 66 million years ago correct me if i'm wrong and you will i know um <laughs> but 66 million years ago a, a giant, do we know how big the asteroid was that hit the Earth, that hit, hit the uh, um, peninsula? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was roughly 10 kilometers in diameter is the estimate. And because it was so, it came and they come at, at an amazing speed, don't they? Yeah. I mean, even if it's not going really fast when it's near earth the gravity of earth will accelerate it mm -hmm. to be going very fast but yeah we, the estimate is i can't even remember what the speed is something like twenty thousand miles an hour some crazy Something speed like that very fast and so when it it, it vaporized the water that it went into and then it, it uh, dust and dirt came up filled the atmosphere and do they know how long the uh, atmosphere was filled with dust so that the sun couldn't even uh, break through yeah, there are different models. I think they range from about three to maybe 10, 15 years. 
but that's a that's a big problem for animals. Yeah, and and it was such a big impact that um, it actually seems that pieces of they call them glass spherules that kind of get rocketed up into the atmosphere made it all the way to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me! <laughs> it's pretty. Amazing. I had not heard that. So they actually left the atmosphere and we got to the moon. Yeah, yeah some of them did. Some of because the impact was so great, and then there were some models that found like there might have been earthquakes that lasted for weeks after, and then there's tsunamis. There's just all kinds of. It was raining. It was basically raining fire because it was that when it hit, it vaporized all this sand, and then when the sand went up, it started solidifying and you know condensing, and that releases a lot of heat. So it was basically raining this molten glass, which was solidifying and then getting even hotter. So all these forests were like bursting into flames and mm -hmm. things. So yes, it was very intense. Have, <laughs> I can only imagine. Have they done any studies, and you would probably know this, that, uh, that they look at what a nuclear explosion or how big of a nuclear explosion it would take to duplicate that blast? Oh man, I don't, I don't think it's possible, but maybe you could, I don't know, is they do the equivalence of tons of TNT, you know, they always do it, but the numbers get so big, the number of zeros on it is just unfathomable. It's nothing close to anything we have, which is, I think, a good thing. <laughs> I that that's not around. <laughs> well, I, I, for one, don't want to find out. Yeah, <laughs> so I want I want them to just keep them those things in their back pocket and not pull them out in any time anytime soon because something like that if that were to happen again that would be the end of us. Yeah, that's not that's not happy. No. <laughs> <laughs> hence another conversation for dinner. <laughs> like, oh, there goes Sabrina and Garrett again. They're talking about dinosaurs dying and and you know, stuff like that. <laughs> So, but now how did not everything was killed and because sharks survives and things in the water and crocodiles did too, didn't they? Yep. Yes. And mammals are ancestors. And some dinosaurs. We just oh, call right. them birds. Right. The birds. <laughs> <laughs> so did they, after, after that and everything calmed down 10, 15, 20 years later, then everything kind of shrunk. It's like, it's like all the animals were not as big as they used to be. Any idea why? They think what happened was when the impact happened and everything got wiped out, it seemed like the largest animals were the ones that had the hardest time adapting because large animals need a large amount of food. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about, sauropods need maybe a literal ton of leaves a day. And if all the forests burn down, they, they don't have a chance. Whereas if you're a little fly and you can survive on any little rotting piece of meat anywhere, you have a way better chance in surviving. And what they think is that since it happened in the Northern Hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere might've been less well, less affected. And there was actually a recent study that thought it probably happened in the spring in the Northern Hemisphere, which would have been the fall in the Southern Hemisphere. And maybe the animals were getting into a hibernating sort of mode down there. So they were in a better position to survive. And just the small ones say that are buried underground mammals at that point. A lot of them lived in burrows underground. So you can imagine how this huge catastrophe is happening outside. But if you're just getting ready to hibernate underground, maybe one in a hundred of those hibernating animals makes it out. And that's enough to keep the, the species alive and survive the extinction event. That's a good time to take a nap right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you said some of the larger dinosaurs ate like a ton of food a day. Uh, when I was a kid, I'd never seen an 
in a um, elephant before. And so we went to Woodland Park Zoo here in Seattle and uh, we went to the elephant exhibit. And uh, of course, being a child, I was most fascinated with the size of elephant poop. Now, how big would a, if you ate, <clears throat> have they done the math? If you ate a ton of food a day, how big would your poop be? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> a mathematician could figure that out, I imagine. Yeah. I think, well, birds are interesting. If It depends how bird-like, because there's this constant debate with dinosaurs, because we know that the modern birds descended from a subset of dinosaurs. And so with sauropods, they're not the group that evolved into birds. But were they more bird-like or were they more like crocodiles or they're more like other reptiles? We don't exactly know. But if they were like birds, they might have had that white, really high in urea mm. type of poop that's like more liquidy that they concentrate more and so that might have been a lower volume if they were more like other reptiles it would be that would be a large amount of poop yes you know with with my luck if one of the one of those large birds would you know poop on my car because uh, <laughs> i get i get that all the time anyway but uh, I, i'm sorry uh, that was rather juvenile of me I, um, but uh, by the way we're talking with uh, um, uh, Sabrina and Garrett and uh, I know dino.com and they, they, they got a lot of stuff there. They got a, they, and you've got resources to museums and all sorts of things there, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, well, we've got our museum map, which is a, I think we've got over 300 uh, museums around the world that have at least a good dinosaur exhibit in them. And a lot of that is thanks to our listeners who contributed to the map. And then in the beginning of the pandemic, we created some more resources. So we came up with some dinosaur themed lesson plans. We put together a page of um, a lot of museums and other places were offering free either courses or other kinds of resources, virtual, virtual exhibits. Tours. Yeah, virtual tours, that kind of thing. So we, we compiled that all into one page. So if people were looking for uh, more ways to learn, and uh, yeah, I think those are the the main ones. We've got some some blog posts too that kind of go into different things like documentaries that you can watch, or um, we've had a few really great guest posts by people who like one of them was about the uh, the holotype of T Rex and kind of what happened to it because it's been moved around. So yeah, lots of resources. I'm sorry. What happened to the T-Rex? Oh, it was just originally it was at uh, which museum? The American Museum in, of Natural History. Right. And it had uh, it got moved over to the Carnegie in Pennsylvania. So during World War Two, they were worried that that museum might get bombed. So they moved a bunch of the really important fossils to other places. And the T-Rex ended up moving to Pittsburgh and it stays there to this day. But they still have a T-Rex. They got a bigger, better T-Rex anyway at the American <laughs> Museum. Well, it's much more complete. It's the one that the Jurassic Park logo is based on. So it's incredibly famous. So, so when, you, when you go to a museum and you're looking at a dinosaur that they've, they've reconstructed, um, how much of that is the actual bones of the dinosaur and how much of that are plaster of Paris that they are filling in the blanks? Yeah. It depends a lot on the particular specimen. Some museums will mark it, which is really cool, where it'll be like a different color, the real, well, you'll, you'll see the real fossil, and then they'll put a different color, the, the cast part. Mm -hmm. And you can see, um, but I think some sometimes the specimens are pretty complete. Like, yeah. 
for example, that T-Rex we were talking about, the American Museum, is about 50% complete. So about half the bones are real and half are reconstructions to fill in, you know, the missing vertebrae so you don't have big gaps. Mm. And a lot of times, though, they'll recreate the skull, even if they have it preserved. Sometimes with T-Rex, you'll see off a case off to the side oh, yeah. with the skull in it because it's, it's just heavy. fragile and heavy and, yeah, hard to mount up there. But, yeah, like the um, Brontosaurus you were talking about, that, that has a lot of real bones in it. It just, yeah, kind of depends. The smaller the dinosaur, I think the more likely you are to be able to get a complete one mm. because it can all be in one sort of piece of rock. Mm -hmm. Whereas the really big dinosaurs, it's hard to find a, a chunk of rock that actually fossilized properly that's big enough to have such a huge dinosaur in it. Wow. You know, th this is a question that has no relevance to anything, but I'm sure somebody has done a study on it. How long did it take? From the time a uh, brontosaurus, which had the real long neck, from the time it chewed something up and swallowed it, how long did it take to get through the neck and down below? Oh, man. Oh. I feel like I did see a study on this. I saw a study. <laughs> sure were, did. <laughs> there's a, a really, it reminds me of a funny study where they were trying to see basically the angle of the neck that it would have had and what its blood pressure would have been like. And so they recreated the whole neck of the sauropod. They started angling it up on the, the stage of a high school gymnasium because they need a lot of space. And that was the space they could find. And it broke. The blood pressure got so high that it popped like a hole in it, like it was having a stroke. And it dumped this fake, like dyed red water blood all over the stage of the gymnasium. And they were like, oh, I don't know. Maybe stay, maybe they couldn't have raised their heads that high because these sauropod necks were so long. I don't know. Or maybe they were like giraffes and they had special little valves or something. I know once it's in the digestive system, sometimes it could take weeks to go through it all. And uh, part of it was they would swallow these gastroliths to help kind of break up the plant matter. So, yeah. And then after a few weeks, I imagine it was probably pretty smelly. Yeah. <laughs> the swallowing would take a while, though. Yeah. Probably like, a I don't know, 10 what? seconds. Hmm. See, it's, like, it's, it's talking to you guys is like talking to my um, nephew who's in computers. It's like I ask him, so what do you do for a living? And that's the last I can understand what he says for about a <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like what is a gastro what oh, gastro is it's um kind of like a smooth rock that they swallow and then you swallow enough of them and they kind of all work together in your digestive or in the dinosaur's digestive system to break up the tough plant yeah we think they had like what birds have now the gizzard and the gizzard is basically before the stomach even chickens do this they'll swallow little pebbles and then their stomach or their gizzard is a big strong muscle and it can compress and it smashes the stones into whatever they swallow because they just swallow the stuff whole they don't yeah. chew it they chew it in their gizzard by smashing it up with rocks and then that passes through into the stomach so they have like an extra special step yeah and it's sometimes cool. you see these with the fossils too mm -hmm. and you can tell because they're extra smooth yeah and all those and uh, marine reptiles had them too to help weigh them down mm. And so for those of you who like to have chicken gizzards, I want you to remember what you just heard here. <laughs> yep, dinosaurs probably had them too. Yep. <laughs> now, one of the other things that we talked about was the dinosaur size. And you, you had mentioned something. That you really, And if you would go through this, because I don't know, this, for me it's not general knowledge, of what the respiration system of a dinosaur was like which allowed it like as an example we were talking about a brontosaurus that if it was breathing out of his his uh, nose by the time 
the the um, oxygen went down into his lungs, and then he were to expel it, he might pass out because he doesn't get it anymore. How does it explain how the uh, um, how it worked for dinosaurs? Yeah, they had this this fancy breathing style called unidirectional flow. At least we assume they did because of the the difficulties of having such a long neck. And that's what birds have now. They have a a bunch of extra air chambers. So when they breathe in, they fill not only their lungs, but also these air chambers. And then when they breathe out, those air chambers collapse and they fill the lungs while the lungs expel out their mouth. And so that keeps the lungs constantly getting new fresh air. So they're constantly getting new oxygenated blood. And it's been proposed, for example, that was one of the reasons they were allowed to evolve or they were capable of evolving into birds with such a high metabolic requirement because they can flap those wings indefinitely. They don't get as tired out. They don't get that. They don't have to go into the lactic acid, feeling the burn. They can stay in the cardio range because they can get all that extra oxygen that we can't get because we don't have as fancy of lungs. So the, the birds today, I've always wondered about that. Why don't birds, they keep flying. Why don't they get tired and, 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 and stuff? Is it because they've got that same kind of uh, a respiratory system? Yeah, we think so. But then not everything has it because bats, of course, can fly and they don't have the unidirectional flow. But bats can't get nearly as big as some of the birds can get. So, and bats have more difficulties. <laughs> yeah. They can't fly across an ocean, I don't think, the way birds can. No, I'm, I don't no, don't want to know anything about bats. Thank you very much. Oh, you don't much. like bats? Bats are great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rat with ring wings. Come on. Rats aren't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and again, by the way, we're we're talking with uh, Sabrina and Garrett. They they have the website I know Dino dot com. By the way, when does your podcast? Oh, this is this is this is professional podcast lingo. When does your podcast drop every week? Oh, well, one, they're supposed to come out at midnight on Wednesday mornings, but actually I, I was working on editing it before this episode, before we're recording this right now. And so that's going to come out at 5 p.m., literally exactly when we end, just by coincidence. But that's it what is, I scheduled it for. It is Every Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to drop today, Wednesday afternoon. Yep. Yes. Oh, very good, and they can and they can go to I know Dino. Um, what's your what's your web uh, or your podcast? Uh, yeah, I know Dino.com. You can listen to it or any podcast player. You search I know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere. Um, you could also search for Dinosaur Podcast, and we'll yeah, show up on Google. If you just search Dinosaur Podcast, we should show up. Mm. Yes, and by the way, they have been viewed over three million times um they've they've got their podcast of concern they've been around they they've niched down to the appropriate content you guys you guys are heroes you guys have done a great thing thank you, <laughs> thank you. it's it really is it really is and for people that don't know what you've done is very very hard to do and i'm i'm working on it um but it's it's very hard to do what you guys have done congratulations you deserve everything that you're getting thank you thank you and and you're also educating the kids and educa educating us and about all the things that uh, about dinos and and they and I know every kid if, if thinks dinos are really cool that's why they have little little toys and stuff uh, for kids so congratulations I think what you're doing is just awesome yeah we've Thank gotten you. to be celebrities with some of our niece and nephews for about a year while they're interested in dinosaurs and then they get <laughs> then they bored move on with us. <laughs> maybe they'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I, I just love the concept that, that you are one of the ones that, that withstood what people, and this is a lesson for all of us, um, is that you withstood the thing that people would, I'm sure at the beginning were telling you, which is, oh, Sabrina, 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 you need to do, you know, go get a job. If you, I, I understand if you want to do a little hobby and, and stuff, but you'll never make any money doing a podcast. What the hell is a podcast anyway? You'll never make any money doing that. And, and so don't, don't, don't reach for the stars. Keep your feet on the ground. It's safer there. Did anybody ever talk to you like that? Yeah, we, when we started it, podcasts weren't quite as popular. They were still, they were already well established, but there were a lot of people when would say like, what's a podcast? Mm -hmm. And we'd always say it's like radio, but you download it. Other than that, it's basically the same as radio. There's, there isn't really anything magical about podcasting because you know, like you've been doing radio for a long time and it's, it's virtually the same sort of thing. It's just a little more. You've got convenient your, for you've some got your people. community of listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the well. We try to drop it every the same time every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and the thing is, you've got you've got a group of of people that care about you, care about the work that you're doing, and they they really like to interact with you and and all that kind of stuff. That's that really is cool. Congratulate, and I'm I, I mean that sincerely. You guys are awesome. So I want to give you a couple of minutes to tell our audience about podcasting, about dinos, about anything that you'd like them to know, how to, how to book a wedding in a zoo. I don't know. Anything that you'd like to tell them. I, I've just got a couple of minutes left. Yeah, I mean, it's it never hurts to ask, right? If you, yeah. <laughs> for any of those things. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, when we started, we didn't. we were sort of like blissfully ignorant of how difficult certain things might be and maybe how important some of the people we we're reaching out to were but we just went for it right and yep. we reached we out to some of these really big name paleontologists and they all pretty much agreed to come on our show they did yeah. even when we didn't have any back cal like they they didn't know what they were signing up for but they still went for it because oh, yeah. people who are enjoy their work and passionate about it are usually willing to st share their story and share their passion so if you're starting a podcast, definitely don't be afraid to reach out to people. That would be a piece of advice. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to thank you so much for your time because you we've spent two hours together. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. I hope you have. We yeah. have too, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's great fun. Again, we're talking with uh, Sabrina and Garrett, and they have iknowdino.com. And they've got a, a great podcast. They've got over 400 episodes. They even talk about the, the about uh, what the Titanic has to do with dinosaurs. I don't know how you could put those two. Things. Oh, I know how you did that. Uh, so, but it's 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 great fun. And and uh, hopefully, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you guys because somebody may want to do this. Are there tours? dino tours that you can go on where the where people go to different cities and and they spend like two weeks on the road and they're going to different museums and that kind of thing you can sign up for places to dig for mm -hmm. a week if you want to um and there's oh. a whole bunch of places yeah and i think there might be a few companies uh that do put together packages for trips you can definitely do it on your own too there's a thing called the Min montana dinosaur trail mm -hmm. it's like 14 museums around montana and if you go to all of them they'll give you a shirt there's a similar smaller one in australia so i can use i can use a shirt guys thank you very much i gotta run and i want to thank everybody for being here and by the way be kind to one another because 
Each other's all we got. We'll see you Friday at noon. Presentation. Eric, did we hit it? The views expressed on this program Hello? are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily the